Welcome to Meetings with Remarkable Educators. This podcast is brought to you in part by you, our friends and supporters at patreon.com slash remarkableeducators. Each podcast is a dialogue between me, Bob Lovemore, and an educator who sees the greatness in their students and touches the whole of their being. These educators defy generalizations, so here's a little bit about what they've done and how I know them. It is a goal of this podcast to extend understanding of holistic education beyond schools, holistic, alternative, homeschooling, or others. To that end, our podcast today centers on a remarkable organization dedicated to rites of passage, a great and mostly ignored holistic learning opportunity. Pete Young is the designer of the Raven Weekend, a rite of passage for children between 9 and 12. In existence for 10 years, Pete has recently pioneered a co-ed rite of passage using the Raven format. It is, to our knowledge, the first intensive co-ed rite of passage. Pete has traveled an unusual path to becoming one of the most creative leaders in the field. Of course, it starts and is continually nourished by Pete's intense desire for self-knowledge and the awakening of consciousness. This led to two critical engagements, the Mankind Project and Natural Learning Relationships. Mankind put Pete in touch with coming-of-age rites of passage for young men, as well as a community dedicated to self-growth. Natural Learning Relationships gave Pete the understanding of how children organize their world and the structure and dynamics of rites of passage. There are those people who engage natural learning relationships and just get it. The appreciation of a child's consciousness of how they see and organize their world clicks with their intuitive and experiential knowledge of themselves and the children in their lives. Often they become natural learning relationship enthusiasts and apply it to their home, life, and schools. Pete became a natural learning relationship enthusiast. He applied it to his family and saw excellent results. He facilitated rites of passage for male teens with the Mankind Project and saw the many ways natural learning relationships accurately described how teens organize their world. And then he created the Raven Training, a rite of passage for males at first and then for males and females together under the umbrella organization Alliance of Generations. Pete added follow-up meetings so that the learning of the Raven Weekend could grow in all participants. If that was all Pete did, he should be celebrated near and far. But Pete became a leader in restorative justice in his home county and regularly works with adjudicated youth in the Oregon penal system. Pete Young lives holistic insight and practice. That he brings this to diverse venues is simply an extension of his life and life's work. You can find out more about Pete Young by visiting the show notes at RemarkableEducators.com and by joining us at Patreon.com slash RemarkableEducators, as Pete will be featured in an upcoming newsletter, one of the many rewards available for a small monthly contribution. All right. Welcome, Pete. Thanks for joining the show. Nice to be here. Thank you. I'm sure it is. And um, just to refresh for everyone... Pete is uh, so affiliated with Rites of Passage and has worked 
deeply with the Mankind Project, and we're going to talk about the Raven Project. But before we go into that, which I feel is very, very important, Pete, I know that you're uh, doing a lot of work with incarcerated youth in, in, in Oregon, and I know that you've had a special approach to it and something that the rest of us probably never even thought about. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got into that and a little bit what it means to you and give us what you can about it? So it's uh, through an, an organization called Resolve. These used to be called Mediation Works. They're a nonprofit in Medford, Oregon. And they do a class for kids that have gone through the criminal justice system. Uh, the kids are required to go through this class. It's uh, five hour and a half sessions. And in that class, they learn to take responsibility for something they've done that has got them caught up with the legal system. Give us some examples of that and also the kind of ages that you're dealing with. Yeah, these are teenagers and uh, typically vandalism or got caught breaking their probation or um, getting in fights, you know, caught up with drugs, and typically that leads to other things. And so they, they've been adjudicated. They've gone through the system. Got and, and part of the, the court order is that they go through a class and learn to take responsibility for what they did. And then uh, ideally they meet with the victim, and often the victim doesn't want to meet with them. And so there's some alternatives. There could be a, a surrogate victim, somebody that's experienced something similar to what the what the true victim has, or they come to this this process that I offer with uh, through an organization called Alliance of Generations in partnership with Resolve, and it's a two hour meeting with the. It's always a teenage young man and three men, and. Three men who are colleagues of yours. Colleagues, we're all volunteers, parents. Same same three men every time? No, it, it varies. I, I lead all of them, but it varies. The two others vary. And um, we try to make it look just like we're just hanging out and talking, but it's a very thought-out process. 20 minutes of just listening and deep listening and showing great interest in what they have to say and and they're, what they're doing is they're talking about probably the worst thing they've ever done in their life and got caught. Um, and we just we listen respectfully and don't share any judgments. And But, I mean, they must be a little reticent to get into it because, I mean, they're talking about something they probably feel some sort of internal shame or guilt about. They are. They show up and really don't want to be there. And it doesn't take long when they sent, you know, for them to sense how curious we are and how we're not going to judge them. In fact, we say that and we're not here to judge you. You know, we're not like most adults that kind of talk down to you. We're just, we're just here to hang out and, you know, we all make mistakes. The important thing is to learn from our mistakes and, you know, maybe we can figure out what you've learned from all this. And really it doesn't take more than five minutes when they really sense how, how non-judgmental and respectful and, um, you know, on a, no hierarchy, we're just all in this thing together that we call life. And, you know, I look for every opportunity to, to appreciate something they say or respect their effort or their honesty or their courage to actually come in the room and sit down with three men they don't know. You know, just a little bit of stuff like that. And they, they just open up. And it's a very phenomenal um, experience. And 
give us like a case history or, you know, make it an amalgamation. I'm not asking you to reveal anything confidential, of course. Yeah. And it it is, we always start with that confidentiality. And, um, well, this one, one time real recently, we, we, we start with a, with the confidentiality and then a check-in and the men go first and we talk about how our day was and why we'd show up as a volunteer on a Wednesday night and then this kid just started talking about his girlfriend wants to get pregnant. And, you know, just right off the bat, he, he sensed how safe this was. And he was scared. You know, he didn't he didn't know if he was ready to be a father. And he was almost in tears. You know, this is five minutes into us meeting him. But more often, it it's, um, you know, often it's a series of things. And this, you know, this is the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of the criminal justice system. And so finally they get they get in trouble and and go through a process so there's often fighting uh that that got serious and somebody really got hurt and so you know that's that's a theme that i i love to tie that into democracy and you know how our our military risks their life to for democracy and and um who are we to be uh, judges of other people? You know, what kind of a culture would that be if we all decide for each other what the right thing to do is, you know, that people put their life on the line to defend democracy. You know, I just, I just really love twisting things around and, and reframing violence or reframing uh, the possibility for them to contribute in a positive way where if they have come from a drug-affected parent family they're uniquely qualified to reach out to other kids that are going through the same thing and they can speak that language and they can be of support you know so it's it's just uh any number of possibilities actually so so what happens in the next after the listening and then do you give them feedback or it turns into just a a mutual discussion what happens then um, well, we try to draw the wisdom from them, like, you know, and then reframing something, you know, sounds, well, the, actually, let me go back to the format. It's that we listen deeply for 20 minutes and don't really say much. We just deepen their story by asking questions that keep keep the conversation going. And then we open it up and, and tease out things that were already said. You know, you said this, and I'm just curious about it. Could you Could you tell me more about that? Another theme is, you know, we all make mistakes. As I said earlier, we all make mistakes. What did you learn from this? And, you know, as an example, I think I heard you say a minute ago that you you don't want to have a, a life like your parents with the with the addiction and and you're you know what you don't want. What what do you want in your life? What 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 do you see happening in the next few years? And there's a whole process I have created where we walk out in into the future. Once they identify what they want, you know, what's the first step? So you get that, you know, you graduate from high school, you know, you get a good job, you know, you go out 30 years, turn around, look back, you know, so what does this 14-year-old need to hear from you as a 50-year-old to believe that he can actually get that? Wow. So what's happening for you internally uh, while this is happening? Yeah, for me, and, and what makes this really work is for the other men that are showing up, you know, they, there isn't a whole lot of preparation. We show up, we're there for two hours. I mean, total investment, travel time, maybe three hours. But it's so gratifying because I think I think all men really would like 
to have it set up where they can have a meaningful conversation with a teen. I don't know about all, but I know many men really would love to have that opportunity. They just don't know how. And, and this is a setup for that. As it, as it plays out, these young men feel safe and they start confiding and we have an opportunity to, to uh, notice their, their gifts, their talents, their, the brilliance of things they say and, and uh, reframe some of the things so that they really take ownership of some of those gifts. And in fact, the, the very last thing we do for a half hour, 20 minutes is we recap what we've heard and, and tell them what we've seen that are qualities they have that our, our community needs and often it's a reframe, you know, right next to the shadow is the gift. Often uh, we can reframe it in a way that uh, they see for for maybe the first time some qualities they have and things they can give back to the community. And internally, though, back to that, what are you learning? What, what, are you learning what am I learning? Time? Yeah. 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 I mean, the point I was making is it's just so gratifying men keep coming back. So, but yeah, we... You know, any time an adult shows up in a way that um, meets the needs of a child, they're healing any of that that they didn't get themselves as a child, of course. Um, you say, of course, and I appreciate, of course. We've known each other a long time and have kicked this back and forth many, many times. So I agree, of course, but not a whole lot of people really understand that. Hmm. So I just repeat it just for the fun of it. Yeah, I've when sure we, when we that. meet a kid, any kid really, teens for a lot of us, and we meet them, and there's a mutual, mutually beneficial dialogue and connection, then we heal whatever was hurt in ourselves. Yeah, over and over again, I've experienced that, and I, I, you know, Michael Mead talks about we become olders or we become elders. And, I, and my way of saying it is, you know, an elder is somebody who, I mean, there's this, there's this polarity between being connected to youth in a contemporary way, you know, the, the youth of your generation, and that defines the elder. One defines the other. You can't be an elder unless you have a connection with youth. Youth can't grow unless they have this, this eldership. And, um, I've come to believe that's one of the biggest things I get is, is, you know, it defines me as what's emerging in me as an elder, you know, this love and connection and, uh, an understanding of what, what is contemporary in, in youth. Um, somehow I just find extraordinarily invigorating and relevant to my being who I am at my age. So, friends who are listening, just so you know, the whole feeling quality in the room has changed, and it's something perhaps you hear it in Pete's voice. I see it in his eyes as we're sitting here, and I feel it myself. And I'm just really appreciative of that wisdom and how that lives in you, and it just radiates out from you. So, connection is a lot of what you do, and connecting seems to be really important part of your life. I mean, you I, were the creative force or a major creative force, sorry, about through Alliance for Generations. So connection seems to run through your work in the world. Is that a fair comment? Yeah. I mean, I think every generation has to understand what a rite of passage, what's, what's a relevant uh, 
write a passage. And to me, that that's what's missing in our culture is connection and relationship that, that then serves as the foundation of rites of passage. So, I mean, it's, it's just absolutely fundamental to the work we do is first create a connection and a relationship, then have a conversation, then or then have an, uh, an opportunity to uh, engage in a deep and meaningful way. It's, it's just yeah, it's the foundation to everything. It's the opposite of addiction, according to Gabor Mate. You know, it's just. Uh, so your beginning part in all this it was with the uh, teen coming of age rite of passage. Is that correct? Uh, well, actually, it was my own rite of passage uh, through the Mankind Project, New Warrior Weekend. And having done that a few years, a bunch of us men recognize how it really needs to happen at a for a teenager right why are we waiting until men reach 40 50 years old to do a rite of passage we should be reaching out to our teenagers and so that's what we did and started looking around found a, a program that originated in san diego voiced men went went up to portland to witness it a couple times on a weekend and then brought it down to ashland and that was about 15 years ago we've been putting on one or two weekends every year. Uh-huh. And have you maintained connection with some of the youth who had went through that? They're oh, obviously yeah. not youth anymore. Yeah. I'm looking at one right now in the room. <laughs> I, well, just for everyone out there, just so you know, he's not looking at my dog, Janaka. Um, he's looking at Dimitri. Dimitri's here with us today. And as you all know, Dimitri's sound engineer and a huge support and participant in, in our podcast. And Dimitri has been through some programs with Pete. So we'll get to Dimitri in a minute because we sure like his take on that. But just in general, Pete. Yeah, what, I was just last week I was pumping gas and this kid that I wasn't sure if he was going to make it. He became a, an addict and really had a hard five years. He just came bouncing up to me and said, oh, get out of your car. I want to give you a hug. <laughs> it was great. And uh, he's going to college next year to become a marine biologist. And, you know, he was just alive. So it's risky business, but this this one made it. Yes. And when we go through rites of passage and everybody on the podcast knows of my commitment to them and the many that I've participated in, and when we go through rites of passage, it's a spectacular and uh, fair to say spiritual experience in the sense that we contact deeper parts of ourselves, deeper wisdom, and in some ways things that aren't ordinarily available to our everyday way of living. So Pete came to a natural learning relationship workshop how many years ago now, Pete? He, we're shaking our heads here. So we both had more hair. He <laughs> yes. still has some. And um, and and the workshop uh, we were taken with one another, and we did we've done many things together since. But Pete took the understanding of rites of passage and c combined it with understanding of natural learning relationships, and came up with something he, we call the Raven training. Talk about that a little bit, Pete. Yeah, I'd been four years into running the the rite of passage for teenagers, and it's. It just didn't make sense to wait until kids, boys, young men were in their 16s and really did not want to listen to their mom and show up on a weekend like this. 
you know, it was hard to get teenagers to come to our weekend. And so I was, you know, recognizing how much more powerful it would be to start with somebody who's 10, 11, 12 and, you know, gain their trust and mentor them for years and then invite them to a rite of passage. You know, that way when they do the rite of passage, they're, they're being supported by a community. They just felt more like what, in my mind, a, a, a rite of passage should be, you know, an initiation by men that you know and trust. And so we started something, uh, it was nature-based and made a few attempts that kind of slowly grew. And we added, uh, over time, we added a lot of uh, Boz teachings on natural learning rhythms back then, relationships now. Um, That's how far back we go, friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's just, it's just, you know, every year we do something by mistake that was perfect and we keep it. And it uh, keeps getting better and better. And now we even include Bon Josette, and we are opening this up to both men and women and girls and boys. Um, I I can't say how unique and and fantastic that is. And I'm fortunate to have friends in the native, uh, in the indigenous communities in America. And they have, while they've never heard of the ones I know, Never heard of doing an intensive weekend, at least weekend together, with boys and girls together. And that just took a tremendous amount of bravery. But that seems to be your MO, Pete, I have to say, because you just keep organizing these things that no one else seems to do. And I'm very grateful for them myself. It's teaching story time. Briefly, teaching stories invite us to see the world with a new perspective, often featuring a wise person, a wise fool, or a trickster animal. They can be humorous and often have many shades of meaning shining throughout the story. I have told teaching stories for the past 40 years, and I love them, and I have to tell you, each time I tell one, I learn much more myself. Today's teaching story is entitled, But for the Grace. Seeing a white shape in the garden in the half-light, the wise fool asked his wife to hand him his bow and arrows. He hit the object and went to see what it was and came back almost in a state of collapse. That was a narrow shave. Just think, if I had been in that shirt of mine hanging there to dry, I would have been killed. It was shot right through the heart. Let's have some fun interpreting this teaching story. Become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash remarkableeducators, and you have access to our detailed comments on how this story applies to education and parenting. Of course, that's just our perspective. The fun comes with community dialogue as the many shades of the teaching story come alive. See you there. Let's talk about the Raven Weekend per se. Okay. And in full disclosure, friends, we're doing one September, the weekend, last weekend in September, the 25th and 26th, I think, but you can all consult your calendar. And um, Josette and I are going to be there, and it's going to be boys and girls together again, which is super exciting because, by the way, that brings in female 
um, what I would have called pod leaders or facilitators, parents, to help with the weekend as well. So it really opens up the whole conversation in a different way. But as I said, Dimitri's here. So maybe Pete, you and Dimitri want to talk a little bit about the Raven training. <laughs> Dimitri, here you go. Dimitri's the expert because he's the only one in the room that's actually been on the weekend. I've always let him. I've never <laughs> got to participate. Well, so personally, I'm curious. I haven't actually been. It's been a while since I was on my first. I'm 18 years old now. And when I did my first one, I suppose I was 12, 13 or something. And I'm having trouble imagining what it would be like with both boys and girls. Could you tell me how that went? Like, were there, was there like a, any sort of problem that you saw at first that just like turned out to be a non-issue or? No, I mean, I, I thought it was incredible, but uh, there was no difference. I mean, everything we did on your weekend with boys, we did with boys and girls and uh it was just a, a little layered, richer and deeper and more complex. I remember sitting in a an appreciation circle that we called Golden Hot Seat, and it was this one teenager, or no, it was a 12-year-old boy, was being asked to say good things about a girl sitting in the hot seat. And he wasn't comfortable with that. It's not right. something he normally does, you know. And so I said, well, let's just imagine this is a different we're reinventing the world here and we're going to do it differently. And, you know, just, this is a human being here. Let's say, what have you noticed about her? That's awesome. And I actually really see the value in that. And it was, yeah, he just went right into it and, and it was, uh, he, he, there was no hesitation with that invitation. He went to this deeper place. Right. Cause I mean, I guess I certainly experienced that sort of, I mean, I actually have memories of talking about girls with other campers way back in the day. And I mean, with that whole lens in mind, it's kind of um, just the way that young boys think of girls is like really this weird off mm, yeah. thing that is like completely not a representation of what's actually going on. And I guess that could really be helped by a co-ed. I think you hit it on the nail. That's exactly what the intention was. It's just to normalize relating between boys and girls right. as humans. Yeah, that's intense. It was, Did it work? <laughs> I, oh, my my opinion, it worked very well. well. I'm glad. But, you know, to your question, um, I think there's something amazing that happens when men show up for boys. Because it's so rare. It was That part right. was a little different. Yeah. When men, only men, are showing up for boys, it's different than when mothers and fathers are together with men, boys and girls. Right. There was something unique about that all-male weekend that wasn't there. You know, it's just different. I would love to do another all-male, you know, father-sons, boys and men, because it's so unusual for men to show up for our youth in a, in a respectful, honorable way. Did that spark the thought of considering an all-female weekend? Or is that... I don't know. Kind of leaves me <laughs> I, out. I guess we're experimenting <laughs> now. It, it's hit me, that's for sure, because I'm always thinking, yeah. how can we move it out? How can we allow more people to participate? Yeah, right. I would love to support what that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess we couldn't really participate with that no. quite so much, but... It can help. Who would we nominate? 
I wonder if Josette. Dimitri, I'd like to hear you talk about your actual experience in your Raven weekend. How long ago was it? And what do you remember? And what was exciting? And what didn't work for you? Let's see. Sheesh, it was so long ago. Um, Remember we hiked in? Yeah, we did. surprised at the very beginning with our grand welcoming. I mean, I'm just trying to... I just remembered the location and it's kind of coming back. So it was like at this sweet lake place that was like yeah okay (laughs) i i certainly have fond memories of it and i remember coming back and being like whoa i'm different and just like i remember kind of having trouble in school with like figuring out who i fit in with especially from i had just switched from a conventional elementary school to kind of a more of a charter type school that was a lot smaller and I didn't know anybody kind of the weekend when I came back afterwards the feelings of not fitting in and like yeah just not being part of the group that I was set in when I got the lottery to be accepted into the program kind of were alleviated by I guess just more self-confidence honestly it was like I guess it was too long ago for me to remember any particular moment that sparked that, but it was it was a sea change for me, definitely. And I also met a number of people that I still am in contact with that have been extremely valuable, particularly shout out to freaking Alex Harris, um, <laughs> Rara. Um, that guy totally inspired me to pursue music and sound, and I totally, I just wouldn't be here. Um, doing this podcast, doing any of my other music stuff if it weren't for him. And there's a, there's a couple other people. I, it's just such a supportive atmosphere and it's just, it can be life-changing for everybody involved. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a really important part of the weekend is just creating a culture of respect and mutual support on, you know, unconditional regard. Uh, we we overtly appreciate each other by speaking what we've noticed in each other. Right. That us. was that was something so alien to me at the time. Like what you're gonna actually like like when we go around in a circle and we have that the exercise called the hot seat where we are literally overtly saying nice things about the person. It's like some of these people have never had an experience like that where somebody just said to their face I like this about you in a way that's that sincere. I feel like that's a unique thing practically to that program alone. And that energetic follows the weekend from the moment you arrive. There's a huge celebration. And the last thing we do is each participant. You remember the the last thing where we, somebody wrote a story or created a skit or a poem or a song? Right, yeah. You want to talk about that? Um, let's see. That's the thing where... Yeah, so you're assigned a group when you get there, right? And then basically you do a bunch of activities with the people in that group and you have one or two adult mentors per group. What what one is one per that? person, there's one per three person. or four. In oh, right, a pod yeah. Team. At the end, the entire pod team um with the adults and the kids will put on either a little skit or sing a song or do something that's just 
basically enumerating the wonderful things about that particular individual. Each kid gets to experience that one at a time. Yeah. Sometimes they're hilarious. Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're just tearjerkers. So, Dimitri, you were saying the person's name was Rara, who... Right, so I just want to give a shout-out to Rara, too, because without you, Rara, this podcast is not happening. So, (laughs) even though I don't know you, I'm feeling your brother. Okay, so... um, one of the one of the things that I think is missing in this conversation, as being very intimate with it, or in, is that there's these very um, meaningful and significant uh, processes or, or that go through that we go through during the weekend, and I just want to briefly mention two. One is that elders from who are, who represent every decade of life uh, stand up and speak about what life looks like from that decade. What does a 40-year-old look like? What does a 50, 60, 70? And I, one, the first one I attended, there was uh, an 80-year-old fellow there. And that has a wonderful effect uh, on everyone because we've either been there or going there. So it, it, it awakens that in each of us. Well, and the one that's really very, very important to me, and I don't think people really know a lot about this, is that people at this age, um, 9 to 12, really concerned with the nature of mortality and death. And there's a, um, a, a part of this, Pete, where, you, where animals who have died in the vicinity, and it's usually done in a country environment, the dead animal is brought into a circle. And who's in that circle, Pete? Um, I select just a handful of people that are going to be able to match the energy of the of the process, which it's really complicated because kids get kind of jittery when they you know, see this dead animal. I mean, it has, to, it has to be somebody that knows how to be at ease with children and help guide them. So there's uh, maybe three adults and then all the participants and maybe one or two youth staff, kids that have gone through it before and come back. It's an intimate group. It's in a kind of a like a little uh, depression or surrounded by trees, private, you know, like a little cocoon. Almost like a nature, a natural cathedral is what it felt like. It feels like when I'm in it. And the questions then go, well, here we are. We're looking at death and I tell you, I, I've had experiences in Raven and also in my life, and the conversations that happen would rival any uh, philosoph- philosophical com- conversations about the nature of life and death. They're so moving, and these kids are open about it. And to bring death into life is just so important. So is that a particularly strong uh, part of it for you too, Pete? Yeah, and it's it's on a Sunday morning when everybody feels connected and they they recognize how supportive and safe the the weekend is, and and the the series of questions slowly deepens and it ends with, you know, so given everything we've said, you know, what do you have, what have you come to believe about life and death and you know the connection between those two and yeah, that's where they're these profound things are said. So moving. I I just can't encourage any of, and all of you. The Pete's um, information will be on the show notes 
on the website, and I'm sure just contact him or somehow you can contact me as well. And would love to see just more and more people understand what this is about and use it because it has everything healthy about it. It's it's really transformative. Um, so how are we doing, Pete? Are you enjoying yourself? It's so far so good. We, so, we being edited out here now? No, <laughs> not necessarily. Do you want it to be edited out? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Um, so I'm sure my our listeners are used to me being slightly <laughs> this way. I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a good time. Um. So what else should we talk about, Pete? Do you have anything else that we didn't, I didn't ask about? What else would you like to bring forward here? Oh, I know. I would like to ask you some personal questions. So what made you decide to move into this really non-ordinary, unusual way of being with children in these different ways? I mean, you know, the, the simple question, answer would be that I... You know, I was influenced by other men who had gone through this adult rite of passage, and we all decided to do it. But you know, clearly, there's a lot more to that because I've I've jumped in 150 percent for 15 years, and um, so I mean, it goes back to your question. It's for my own healing. I mean, there's things that happened to me growing up that uh, you know that just get layers of the onion that get revealed to me, and then I get to uh, heal by, um, you know, offering what I didn't get to youth and by, you know, increasing my self-knowledge and reflecting on these things. And it's, it's just a really powerful way of doing personal growth Mm -hmm. for me. So, um, would you would you say that then it's true for so many of us that the wounding and confusions from your youth well what allowed you so many people have those woundings and confusions what allowed you to take it and try to transform it and use it and relate to it in a different way the uh, new warrior weekend mankind project um no but what brought you to that what brought me there was a divorce it felt like my life was imploding Everything was a, that a picture of a skyscraper intentionally uh, imploding on itself. And this good friend of mine said, you know what? You need to do this weekend that I did. And, you know, a month later I did it and um, there's been no turning back. I really highly recommend the the weekend, New Warrior Weekend with Mankind Project uh, for any adult men that are ready to look at life a little differently. And it's, it's, it's completely up to each person that goes through. It's not a religious experience, and all religions are accepted and, and um, encouraged. So it's a very a process that uh, can be uh, individualized easily. And are there opportunities to do that around the country? Around the, the world, yeah. It's moved around into Europe and all over the place, Africa, Japan. Great. Canada. Great. Super. So that that sparked this curiosity and, and taste for self-awareness that 
was kind of it was it's always it feels like it was always present but it would just really accelerated it and brought it in the forefront so behind this and behind all the wounding and even the actuality of the divorce there's something in pete that yearns for or is drawn to self-awareness is that a fair thing to say i I would like to extrapolate that to all human beings to some extent, you know, I, I don't know that I can do that, but it's certainly has always been there for me. Grew up, uh, my father was a professor and, uh, used to sit around Sunday table and he'd bring in guests and I would listen and boy, this guy's crazy. What are they talking about? This is nuts. Or you know, oh, I thought brilliant. he was a missionary. He was, he was a, he was a missionary in Japan and he was a professor at a seminary over there teaching, uh, people and he was a he wrote books and historian and became a professor in his later life in Tennessee. So that piqued your interest. Yeah, it it uh, it had me. I I just can't remember a time when I wasn't a skeptic and listening carefully to what you know philosophy and uh, things that had deeper meanings. You know, growing up with these Japanese people who are very kind to, when you're young in Japan, you're treated very kindly. You know, once you get into school, it, it gets pretty intense. But my experience with the Japanese as a young person was they were wonderful people. And then here's my family trying to save them and set up this <laughs> cognitive dissonance. And even as a 10 year old, it's like, what is, what is real here? And that's kind of <laughs> evolved into what I do that now. That may be the best question <laughs> of them all. Yeah. yeah. Really. All right. Well, thank you, Pete. Thank you so much. I know that you made an effort to come up here, down from Ashland up to Portland, and just really, really appreciate your time. Is there any last thing you want to say? Thanks for what you do and contribute, you and Josette, you know, contributing to the dignity of a child's experience in the world. And, um, yeah, it's been an inspiration and added greatly to, to my experience. So thanks. Meetings with Remarkable Educators is brought to you in part by our friends and supporters on Patreon. If you enjoy our podcast, and want access to enriching gifts for parents and educators, please visit patreon.com slash remarkableeducators and consider becoming a patron. Your support means the world to us and will allow us to continue this essential project. Our sound engineer is Dimitri Young. Our webmaster is Nathan Young. And our all-important social media maven is Cleo Young. All podcasts are transcribed with show notes and can be found at remarkable-educators.com. This is Ba Lovemore reminding you that holistic relationships with children leads to joy and self-knowledge with the adults in their lives. With respect for you and for children everywhere, see you next time.